Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, tech. Uh, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, we're talking about the upcoming Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro event. We talk about the iPhone 15 event, where we got to see the brand new phones from Apple. And we're talking about the latest episode of Ahsoka, episode 5. Topic number one, the upcoming Pixel 8, Pixel 8 Pro event. Now, Google, I mean, as is typical Google and Pixel fashion, these phones have leaked well in advance of their actual event. But now Google has officially this week announced that, yes, these are, this is what the phones look like. And we will be announcing them, releasing them on October 4th. So they're going to have, I guess, a keynote speech, probably some sort of prepared presentation to stream online. It's going to be at Google's campus in their amphitheater. Different people in the media have been invited, of course, and different news outlets. And what we can expect to see is, well, one, the Pixel 8, two, the Pixel 8 Pro, (laughs) and three, the upcoming Google Pixel Watch 2. Possibly there's some rumors floating around about a possible Pixel Buds update, but I mean, Google isn't saying anything about that yet. So maybe it'll be a surprise edition at the end of it. Maybe, you know, I think routinely they've kind of done stuff with, with their like AR glass and it's not even technology, right? It's just concept videos right now that they've been putting out. They haven't had any actual solid objects like how Apple has a, Apple Vision Pro. Mm-hmm. So I still don't think we're going to get an actual like AR Google glasses announced, but I could see them, you know, showing how a future, you know, AR VR Google glass, Google headset would work. I'm sure we'll have some talk about all the AI stuff that Google is doing, all the advancements that they're doing and how it's going to help power the phone and power new features in their phone. I'm sure it's, I don't know. I'm not too excited for this. I'm definitely looking forward to see the new phones, I guess, to see what they're capable of. Cause Google, you know, always has some cool features that they, that they announce like their, you know, what their face unblur technology, their magic eraser technology. They always have something cool, but what are your thoughts? I don't know. Am I just being cynical? Are you excited for these phones? Are you excited for, you know, possibly the new Pixel Watch too. I'm I'm completely with you, honestly. Um, it's kind of difficult, and it's not just a Pixel problem. I think it's a it's difficult to get excited about phones in the modern era, um, especially because from year to year, so little really changes. And with Google, they're not. It's not like uh, the last year where they introduced a new product like the Pixel Watch. We're not expecting a brand new product from them this year, just updates of, of products that already exist. And the Pixel 8 has leaked. And we always talk about on this podcast, it's not good just to take a leak for what it is. And then when that turns out to not be true, you get disappointed. Chances are these leaks will probably be very true. But still, who knows, maybe something, the phones might look a little different, or maybe there might be a cool color that isn't in the leak that we might see that can kind of get a little bit of excitement out there. But from what we're seeing right now, specifically on the Pixel 8 side of things, nothing too exciting there, in my opinion. Now, I think that also depends on, you know, this year we are going to get a Tensor G3. Uh, and usually every time they introduce that the Tensor chip, there is always some kind of added feature that they're highlighting that that chip can do well. Uh, I think they've they've done enough with the photography side of things. And when I mean enough, I mean in terms of marketing. I think you can't keep on talking about photography every year, getting better and better and better. I think even in, in Apple's uh, showcase, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it was still very long. But it seems like less and less time each year is dedicated to cameras because I think people just realize a cell phone camera is what a cell phone camera is. We know what to expect. Um, And a lot of that marketing about, oh, this is going to be the new greatest camera of all time. 
doesn't really work as well as it did maybe three or four years ago. So I'm kind of curious to see what Google does with that. And you did mention, you know, some of their AR stuff. I would love to see a lot of their lens kind of technology come to the forefront of what a Pixel phone is. Um, And maybe they can highlight it in terms of maybe being better for for people who need assistance, maybe visual assistance or auditory assistance. Um, Maybe Pixels can kind of grow in that way. But then there's also the sense of maybe repairability. Maybe they can take that. We've talked about the Fairphone a little bit. Maybe they can kind of play that up a bit. I doubt it, but I think those are the types of conversations that would get a lot of people a little bit more excited about what a Pixel phone can be. The one place where I am very interested, though, is the Pixel Watch. I do think that the first Pixel Watch, to me, was a disappointment. The battery life is not very good. It's a very small watch. It's a very delicate watch because it has glass all the way around that can break really easily. But then also, I didn't particularly like the design of not having lugs on the watch. I think it makes it look a little bit too, mm, I don't know, a little bit too digital. Like there's not really much about it that makes it look like a watch. It just kind of looks like a a stone on your wrist, which I think some people like, but I don't think that's a traditional watch style that that people who are into watches are going to enjoy. So I would love to see them introduce maybe a bigger size, a more interesting design that has more design to it instead of just a, a pebble on your wrist. We see Samsung going back to its roots of, you know, the rotating bezel and kind of having a more traditional watch style with their new versions. And people were really excited about that. Maybe Google Google can kind of follow suit and make a, a really compelling watch this year. I don't necessarily believe that they will. Like I said, I've not been a big fan of, of Google's implementation of stuff in the past but i think if they can knock that out of the park um maybe that can bring a little bit more excitement to this event but yeah to answer your question i'm with you i don't think right now um from what we've seen there's a ton to be excited about with a a pixel 8 event yeah is uh is there anything that you would get excited about i mean this is mainly about the pixel 8 what if there's some sort of update, let's say, to the Pixel Fold? Or maybe we get some sort of update or accessories for the Pixel tablet. Are those things that you might be interested in? Or is there nothing really from Google, I guess, that's compelling for you right now? For me, not from this event. I think the 8A event is where I might get mm. a little bit more interested. Um, and I would love for them, maybe when they introduce it, the A event, they, you know, pull an Apple and maybe introduce an A-series watch as well, like Apple does with their SE watch. I think that is where I'm more interested. I, I love the idea of budget products. But just to, to force the, the sense of argument, um, if they did, Apple put a very small, and we'll talk about Apple a bit. I, I keep bringing them up, but they put a very small um, note in their their keynote about the pro model is now having a mid plate so that you can take the screen off and the back plate off separately from each other, which is what they did last year with the non pro models of the phones. I would love for Google to one up that if they can bring some serious conversation about their phone being more repairable, mm-hmm. that could get me excited because we've talked about Fairphone, We've talked about, Hey, they're pretty much doing everything they can, but they're not available in all markets. And the design really isn't all that um, you know, great compared to a lot of the more uh, mainstream phones out there, but they also don't have the money of a Google. So there really is no excuse for Google to not be able to make the perfect repairable phone. They're the ones who, you know, bought that project Aura um, kind of whole concept of the modular the phone. modular that phone. Yeah, yeah, that they completely just abandoned. I would be incredibly excited if they brought some of that concept back. That will never happen, but for me, that would be something that would get me excited. Um, but for you, I know you've been a Pixel user. I've never used a Pixel before. Is there anything particularly to you that would be exciting about this event? Um, anything that they could do with the buds, the watch, or even the phone that would maybe interest you in getting back into the Pixel ecosystem? Um, I mean, I'd be interested in Pixel buds. I'd like to see that. Mm-hmm. From the phones, the watch, t- not really, to be honest. I mean... We keep on bringing up Apple. We're going to get to Apple eventually. <laughs> but I'm I'm very much in the Apple ecosystem right now. And there isn't 
in like I don't like in my opinion, there isn't enough of a compelling or there aren't enough compelling products from Google in order to switch over. Mm-hmm. Samsung could say, okay, maybe, but still not compelling enough for me personally. Um, you know, when you look at, okay, the laptop, the tablet, the phone, the watches, all of those, all of those offerings for me, I like better from Apple. Yeah. As opposed to what Samsung offers and opposed to what Google offers or, you know, any other ecosystem out there, definitely better than what OnePlus offers. Um, so yeah, I don't, I would need to see something so drastic. I would need to see something so drastic. I don't even know what it would be like. Definitely for tablets, there needs to be some sort of stylus. Yeah. Which, okay. You could say Samsung has, but then when you look at the laptops, for instance, like MacBooks are great products. They're great, especially for people creating things they are great products and they last long. Right. As I've said um, hundreds of times, I'm still using a MacBook from 2012. Yeah. So they last a long time. Yeah. I've had to replace the battery myself, you know, back when Apple let you do that. Yeah. I've like upgraded the SSD and the RAM myself back when Apple allowed you to do that. But yeah, in order for me to make a change, I don't, it would have to be something very, very, very compelling. And something like, let's say the, the ultra phones from Samsung, like the S22 and the S23, those are very compelling phones for me, but I guess not enough to make the switch over from iPhone and Apple. Cause as soon as I, as soon as I do one, then I'd have to be prepared to do everything else with it. Right. Cause I have an Apple watch right now. So as soon as I make the switch from a Sam, from an Apple phone to a Samsung phone, that's not just me deciding I want a new phone. It's me. I want a new phone and I want a new watch. And then probably eventually I'm going to want a new tablet because the, tab- the phone I have isn't going to work as well with the tablet I have. Yeah. So I guess that's the benefit of having an ecosystem. Like it, when people make decisions, it's not just one purchasing decision that they're making. It's almost like three, four, five decisions that they're making with just switching out one product. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think uh, Google has been slow to get up to that level. I think Samsung is there personally. I, I think it's just about what you prefer. And I do think Apple does a lot of things better than what Samsung does. But if you are in the Samsung ecosystem, I think there are really good products that you'll be happy with. I don't think that's the case with Google. Like I said, I think the Pixel Watch, the original one missed the mark um, with the size and the battery and stuff like that. It just wasn't a good option. I'm sure it's a good option for some people, but not for a large audience of people who wants to be in that ecosystem. But you did bring up a really good point. Something else that I think would I would be quite excited for would be an update to the Chromebook Pixel. Um, Chromebooks have exploded in popularity, and there is very little conversation about Chromebooks being woven into the ecosystem of the Pixel line. Like obviously now Chromebooks can run Android apps, which is great, but there should be more conversation in these these events of being like, hey, you get an updated Chromebook Pixel, it's gonna work wait great with your pixel phone and your pixel watch and all that stuff uh and that chromebook pixel has been old it's, it hasn't been updated for a very long time i think the design is is relatively good i think it can use a bit of an update but an updated version of that i think would be a great thing to highlight at an event like this just to get some more eyes on it but yeah i, I agree with you all right on to our second topic of the day the apple event now on Tuesday, September 12th, Apple had their big event at Apple Park where they released their new Apple Watches. So the Apple Watch Series 9, the Apple Watch Ultra 2. They talked about the SC, but they didn't really upgrade anything for it. Mm-hmm. And they released their new phones. So the iPhone 15 and the iPhone 15 Pro line of phones. I mean, some notable changes from the watches to be honest, not that many. They did finally get a new chip, a new S9 SIP, not a, you know, not a SOC. It's 
a system in a package. I also actually had to look that up because I kept on wondering why they called it a SIP and not a SOC. An S9 SIP. And they, they're saying that it brings a new gesture feature. One thing that they kept on showing in the keynote and in their videos is now the watch can detect when you tap your index finger and your thumb together and you can use that as a command. So the main command on your app. So let's say if your phone's ringing or your watch is ringing, someone's calling you connected to your watch and you see, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so is calling me. If you want to answer, you can tap your index finger and your thumb together and that will answer the call for you. You don't need to touch it. Maybe you got you know, greasy hands, maybe you have something else in your other hand and you just tap your index and your thumb together. And when you're done the call, you can tap to end it. Um, you can tap to scroll through things. You can tap to select, deselect things. So it's a pretty cool feature that's coming to both the Apple Watch Series 9 and the Apple Watch Ultra 2. But what some people are saying is this was actually in Apple Watches before this. I think two years ago, it was buried in one of the Apple Watch uh, OS updates. It's an accessibility feature that's just buried. So you could actually do this before. I don't know if they've since removed it. I haven't been able to find it, but it's a cool, I don't know. It's, it's like it's an interesting selling point and it's cool to see. But the fact that this was actually buried in sentence before and it was like, People weren't really interested, but it's like, hey, maybe we just need to repackage it and rebrand it, and then people will be talking about it. So, yeah, nothing really new. People were, or I don't know, I think maybe I was speculating, or some people were speculating, we might get a new color for the Apple Watch Ultra yeah. 2, you know, maybe a, a matte black titanium, but just same old natural titanium. Nothing new to see with the Apple Watch 9 and Ultra 2, but the iPhone 15s and the 15 Pros got a pretty decent upgrade, pretty sizable upgrade. Um, the iPhone 15 gets a new chip, so they go from the A15, which I guess they've been stuck on for a couple of years, from the 15 to the 16 Bionic, which is the chip that last year's phone got, or I guess that the last year's Pro phone got. They get the dynamic island. You know, I think we talked about that before and people had said that, hey, all iPhone 15s are going to have the dynamic island, the breakthrough groundbreaking feature that everyone loves and people can't <laughs> stop talking about. They got the dynamic island. They got an upgrade to their cameras. So they got, I think they were on a 12 megapixel main camera before. Now they've been bumped up to a 48 megapixel and all models got USB-C. Yes. We talked about it. People speculating. Some people said that, hey, we're going to probably not get a USB-C. They're just going to skip over and go straight to a portless iPhone. I said that was insanity. No way they're going <laughs> to do that. And uh, yeah. So for the 15, Dynamic Island, 48 megapixel main camera, new chip. If you ask me, the iPhone 15, so the base iPhone 15 is essentially the 14 Pro from last year, just yeah. minus one of their, their macro camera, their telephoto camera, which I would say is a pretty sizable upgrade coming from the 14. Usually, you know, year over year, there isn't that big of a change, especially from Apple. But I would say this is actually one year where it's like, hey, this is a decent upgrade, a decent change. With the 15 Pros, they got even more of a change. So they got a new chip again, A17 Pro. I think, you know, this is the first time they've attached Pro to a, an iPhone chip, which is kind of like, it seems a little much, but mm -hmm. it is Apple. So they do things that are a little much from time to time. Um, so they got a new chip. They changed the material on the outside of the phone. So as we said before, they're going to make a switch from stainless steel to titanium to match the Apple Watch Ultra. It has been confirmed. They did that. Um, same 48 megapixel main camera, but on the Pro Max, so people were speculating they're going to have a periscope lens. They're going to have a periscope lens like Samsung. So it's technically not a periscoping lens. It's a, uh, what do they call it? It's like a Tetra Prism lens that is refracting light inside. So I think the standard 15 Pro 
goes up to 3x optical zoom. Now this, the Pro Max, the bigger phone, goes up to a 5x optical zoom, which is supposed to be equivalent to a 120 millimeter lens. They also got rid of the silent switch on only the Pros. So the silent switch has been replaced with the action button, which everyone was speculating about. USB-C, and we actually talked about this before too. We are saying, mm-hmm. is there probably going to be some sort of difference in the type of USB-C that the pros get, that the non-pros get, and there is in fact a difference. The non-pros just get USB-C 2, which is what the Lightning port's been stuck on since its inception. But the pros get USB 3, which allows transfer speeds up to, I think, 10 gigabits per second is what they were quoted. So still not USB 4. I think we were kind of hoping for USB 4, but obviously Apple is not going to give us the actual latest technology when it comes to some standard. They're going to save that for, I guess, the 16 Pros. They did put Wi-Fi 6E in this, which is, you know, something nice. Long battery life, as always, which is nice. But yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the event in general and just the upgrades overall that the phones got. Yeah, uh, I I'm I think the event was pretty good. I think it was a little bit a little bit drawn out, uh, but there was I think it was paced really well. Like there was this little skit in the middle about their repairability thing, which with Apple is always I'm gonna Crazy. I'm not gonna lie I. Well, I liked it. I'm not gonna lie. I, I thought it was. I thought it was entertaining, but you always have to ask yourself at the end, like, okay, Apple's doing all these cool things, but it's also Apple. They're also doing all these things to make their phones as unrepairable as possible. So it's like it's it's one of those things of like, yeah, you want to be happy that all this stuff is happening, and you want to buy into all the marketing. And like I said, there's been a couple of times in the past where I have fallen for apple's marketing and every time i always i always look back at it and like why did i do that i know what to expect from apple um and this this was one of those situations where right after that little skit ended i was like yeah i enjoyed that but i know what apple is i know what to expect and it's not to be the most repairable environmentally friendly phone that's that's what they say to the public but to their shareholders they talk about how they can convince someone to buy a brand new phone instead of repairing the screen so um overall though the event i'm kind of curious to see the split between 15 and 15 pro because i think in my opinion personally i think a lot of this goes back to our conversation about the iphone 12 where i think there's a lot more similarities between the 15 and the 15 pro than there was last year to i think for a lot of people it would make more sense just to get the regular 15 i think the biggest in my opinion, and this is coming from someone who's not, you know, super into to photography and stuff like that, but the the new camera, the new 5X uh, optical zoom camera, to me, seems cool, but I don't know if that, that's all that useful. They did talk about how they could use that array of three, three cameras um, by cropping in on the sensors to make it essentially like seven different focal lengths, which I think is kind of interesting um, if you want to get creative. But generally, I think most people, when they're taking photos, they're not like, oh, let me see if I can get the most creative shot. They're like, hey, I want to take a picture of this. Let me take a picture of this as quickly as possible. Um, So for me, that wasn't a huge selling point. But there are a couple of interesting things that uh, I think the pro does that if you're trying to look at what one is more suitable to you, I think these are a couple of the the main reasons why you'd want to get the Pro. So one of them, and I think it's the most important that you mentioned, is this USB-C port is going to be u- using USB 3. Obviously, you know, maybe USB 4 is a little bit of a stretch right now, but USB 3 is still kind of old and kind of slow. Um, that being said, if you're comparing that to Android phones, it's much faster than 99% of Android phones out there, which are still using USB 2. But the interesting thing that you can do with that USB 3 port is you can record your video directly to external storage, which I think is actually a really, really cool feature to have because if you are using your phone as, you know, your main tool for, let's say, a YouTube channel or 
you're just doing videography and you're going on a vacation and you want to be able to take as much video as possible, but you don't want to use up your, your entire storage space, you can just bring in a, a hard drive with you, plug it into that USB port and have that be your dedicated drive for all your photography and all your videography, I think is great. And then the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is the action button. Uh, I actually think this is really cool. I think we talked about in the last podcast how a lot of people just use their phone, including you, on mute all the time. So having a button that you can change to do something else is a really good idea. That doesn't come to the base level 15 models. I would hope that that does come to the base level 16s because I think it's a just a cool idea. It still does the the function of a mute switch if you want it to, but you can also have it do something else if you don't really need the mute switch. I think that's great. Uh, but other than that, I don't really see a lot of advantages to this new device. I, it's interesting that you mentioned how they have the new A16 Pro chip. Uh, and we talked about on the last 17 podcast. Pro. 17 Pro. Yeah. Chip. We talked about on the last podcast how I would have liked for them to take this new 3 nanometer chip and focus on, uh, you know, battery life and efficiency instead of power which it doesn't look like they did here. It looks like battery life is... They didn't even mention battery life in this particular... Uh, no, I said all-day battery life. All-day battery life, but nothing... Like, there wasn't anything like, oh, it's going to be twice as long as the last one. They didn't yeah. do a whole segment on battery life, which I think they could have done. Instead, they took this quote-unquote pro chip and talked about how good it is at gaming, which to me doesn't make any sense. I don't know why you'd need a pro chip to be good at gaming. Um, I think some of the stuff that they mentioned is kind of cool. Like you're going to get Resident Evil 4 and the brand new Assassin's Creed game natively on your iPhone. And I imagine this has a lot to do with um, the Apple Silicon laptops and them releasing that tool that allows the game porting tool that allows developers to port their game to Apple Silicon very easily. Um, so I'm ima- I imagine this is a part of that, and this will probably also help MacBooks in the future be better at gaming. But to me, this is completely uninteresting. Uh, so the big difference in power between the Pro and non-Pro models to me is a little falls a little bit flat if it's going to focus on gaming. I'm sure there are going to be some people who are going to be really happy about that. They can play their Genshin Impact in the best quality possible. Um, but... A cool feature between both of these phones where that could be leveraged if you are super into gaming is that both the USB 2 model of the regular iPhones and the USB 3 model of the Pro model iPhones both support video out natively. So you don't need an adapter, you don't need anything, you could just plug a USB-C to HDMI adapter and you can get video out and they also support Bluetooth, uh, you know, controllers like the PlayStation 5 controller. So I could imagine if this chip really is great at gaming and maybe you can plug this into a TV, uh, you could potentially use your PS5 controller and play Genshin Impact on 4K maybe. Who knows? Uh, But for me, that would be much more exciting if it was in an Apple TV than if it was in a phone. So I don't know. Maybe I doubt because Apple TVs have been very underpowered devices, but I would love to see maybe this kind of chip show up in an Apple TV in the future, and then I would be a little bit more excited. But other than that, I think I'm a little bit more positive on the base level 15s. I think they're a much better deal, especially because there was no price increase this year. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're still getting the Dynamic Island, you're getting USB-C 2, and you're getting an updated chip, not as good as the Pros, but still updated. Uh, But that's how I felt about the event. But how about you? I, I kind of agree with you. There wasn't too much to say about the watches other than the new chip. There wasn't any design change. The Ultra, I think if you have an Ultra, there's really no interest in this new one. Um, yeah. But how do you feel about the iPhones and all these devices? Do you think the 15 is as good a, of a deal compared to the Pros as I do? Or do you think maybe there's more compelling reason to get the Pro? Um. So touch to touch on something quickly, you mentioned the price increase. Mm-hmm. So everything but the Pro Max stays the same price the pro max i think got a price increase of a hundred dollars yes but what's interesting is so the base model for the pro max or for yeah for the pro phones was 128 gigabytes i think for the non-pro phones also they eliminated the base level of the pro max so they eliminated the 128 gigs so it starts at 256 and i think it goes 256 512 
one terabyte. And so what they're saying is technically the 256 gigabyte version of the Pro Max costs the same as it did last year. They've just eliminated a lower tier. So it's yeah. like technically it doesn't cost more, but because you eliminated the, I guess, the lower option, then yeah, if you want a Pro Max, you're going to have to pay more than you did last year. I think definitely the most compelling is the iPhone 15. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I agree with you. Like the stuff that they brought to it, especially if you look at, okay, what does the everyday user care about? They don't really care about having the fastest chip, even though, okay, it is a faster chip. And up until a week ago, right, it's the fastest chip that I that Apple had in their yeah. phones, right? What they did bring, though, was a camera, the 48-megapixel main camera now, which was their pro camera last year. And I mean, and technically is on par with the pro, the main pro camera that they have this year. Because you know, you mentioned all the different lens options and focal length options that they've presented in their phones. But most people, when they want to take a picture, it's, okay, let me open my camera. Let me take a phone as quickly as I can, or take a picture as quickly as I can. So they're not digging into all the settings anyways. So if you think of, okay, people are just pulling out their phone, snapping a picture as quickly as they can. How good is that going to be? between the 15 and the 15 Pro and probably even the 15 Pro Max is going to be pretty comparable. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at USB-C, yeah, big improvement, especially when you look at the fact that, okay, now we can get rid of lightning cables pretty much altogether. There's still a couple of Apple products that are holding on. So maybe if you have some old products, you can't get rid of them yet. But the fact that, hey, you could go over to an Android friend's house and use their charging cable right? Hey, someone has a Nintendo Switch. You can use that charging cable too. Like, USB-C coming to all the iPhones is a big deal. I would say, once again, touching back on the cameras, the coolest thing that I saw personally, because, you know, as I've mentioned before, I'm someone that's probably the camera on the phone is the most important thing for me. Mm. I remember when Apple first did their, their portrait modes back with the 7 Plus right? And how cool that was that, okay, you could put it in this portrait, set in, and then if you stand up far enough and far enough distance away, then you could get, a, you know, a fake bokeh effect. And then now they've added it to all of their phones. But what they've added this year, and it's only for the 15 and 15 pros. So you could probably say, hey, last year's models technically should be able to do this. It's the same software. Even if you look at the 14 pro, it's the same chip as a 15. But, you know, new year, new phone, new features. It is what they're calling, I guess, next generation portrait photography. And when you're taking a picture with a 15 or 15 Pro, uh, the phone will actually recognize a face. So it could be a person's face. It could be even a pet's face. We'll recognize that it is a face and it will automatically switch into portrait mode and it will take depth information from the camera so you snap a picture of a person it'll say hey there's a face here let's get as much depth information as possible and then after the fact you can change the amount of bokeh you can change where the focus is in the photo after the fact which i think that's like a a google level feature right Mm -hmm. in terms of okay cool ai stuff that you can do with the camera that is a google level feature and so not only is it coming to the 15 pros, but the 15. So it's like this, that's pretty compelling, right? That seems like something that in the past Apple would reserve exclusively for their pro phones, but that's coming to the 15. So in essence, I don't know if you ask me the 15, the only thing it's losing from the pros or from the pro, just the 15 pro is okay. You lose the telephoto lens, but how yeah. many people really use a telephoto lens? On their phone camera and then it's definitely not getting the 5x optical zoom that the pro max is getting but it's like not even the 15 pro is getting that yeah, so you only get the max. only the max so you get the dynamic island you get the next generation uh next generation portraits with focus and depth control apple branding and you get the <laughs> USB C. right so those are all big improvements 
even from the 14 to the 15, those are very big improvements. And as I said, I think before, you know, typically you wouldn't say, okay, year over year, get the new iPhone or it'd be recommended to get the new iPhone. But I can say this is one year where, especially for the base model, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if someone felt the need to upgrade from the 14 to the 15. From the 13 to the 14, it was the same phone. It was, mm-hmm. it was exactly the same phone. I think they maybe gave like one more CPU or GPU core, something ridiculous like that. But this is actually a new phone this year. So, yeah, it's out of everything announced, I would say this the 15 is the most compelling thing, especially when you look at, okay, how much does it cost compared, compared to the other products that Apple came out with? And yeah, the the watches are the watches. There's nothing really new with them. I think one thing they did do with the watches that I'll give a shout out, um, specifically the Pro or the the Ultra, the Apple Watch Ultra, is they did focus on battery life. Um, they said anywhere from 36 to 72 hours. Now, they always quoted long battery life with those watches, but uh, I think that's a little bit more exciting um, that you could potentially get more than three days on a charge. And they did talk about how it defaults to an always-on display, which I think is kind of cool as well. Most smartwatches don't do that because of how much battery that would use. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and also the 3000 nit display on the Ultra yeah. is is kind of cool. I don't know, because this is the thing, I, I've already heard people talk about how the original Ultra is very visible outdoors in bright sunlight. This just makes it even more bright, but still it, it's kind of cool to see nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Also, all these devices will be available on September 22nd. Um, I think they're available for pre-order right now as of we're, when we're recording this on the 18th. Um, sorry, the 16th. Uh, but they will fully launch on September 22nd. So if you were to get a product from this event, you have to get one. You can't say, I'm just going to wait for the Pixel 8a. <laughs> if you were to get one product from this event, what would you get? It would be the uh, non-Max face iPhone 15. The one thing I will say, I'll just bring up quickly here, and this is very uh, not consequential at all, but I was disappointed by the color choices. Um, the two new colors is space black and pink, and they're very boring. Space black. They don't call them that. But it's the new no, black just, color uh, yeah, and pink, and just very, black. yeah, very uninteresting. Uh, I would have loved to see a more color option. They haven't really... The 10R to me, is the best device they ever released with the color options. Like, there was so many color options for that device, um, and they've really never gotten to that level since. Uh, but, the yeah. It, the, no, the 10R. Um, oh, the XR. Yeah. Uh, okay. The XR, yeah. But, um, yeah, it would be it would be the iPhone 15 in probably black... Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a really cool phone. And honestly, honestly, that is a phone that even as much as I'm not an Apple person, I could consider myself getting. I could see myself really? getting at some point. Like if it was a situation where you know I needed it for work or something like that, I wouldn't be upset with that phone. I think it's a really cool phone. I don't think it's overpriced. I would love it to be cheaper, but I don't think it's overpriced. Um, and I think it's a pretty, pretty cool, uh, deal. Well, not deal, but pretty cool device overall. Um, Mm -hmm. but how about you? You're more ingrained in the Apple ecosystem. Would you love, uh, ultra watch? Would you love the pro max? Like which one would you go for right now out of this lineup? Uh, so, okay. Just, I want to talk about the colors again. I completely Mm -hmm. forgot about that. Um, the one annoying thing about the 15 for me is they just got they got rid of white. Yeah. <laughs> like like how do you not have a black phone and a white phone? I just cuz the 13 that I have is white. So if I wanted if I wanted a neutral color that wasn't black, there's no option for me. Yeah. Right? Which is Kind of annoying. I mean, it's a very small gripe. I could. I'm obviously gonna put a you know a a case on my phone, or if anything, I'll put a skin on my phone. But the fact that there is no neutral color other than black is stupid to me. Mm-hmm. Not the not the most important thing. And then for the color options on the 
Pro phones. So as I mentioned, they have their titanium, their white titanium, they have their black titanium, they have their blue titanium, and then they have natural titanium, which is, I guess is supposed to be just the natural color properties of titanium, you know, unfinished, and it matches the Apple Watch Ultra, which everyone kind of figured they would have a color that matches that. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, the black titanium looks nice. I think part of where the speculation about the Apple Watch Ultra 2 is like everyone knew they were going to have a black iPhone Pro. So they figured that if it's okay, black titanium for the iPhone, why not black titanium for the Apple Watch? But I guess they're saving that for another year. Yeah, next now, year. Yeah, and then they're going to, who knows, they'll probably bring Thunderbolt to that or maybe even USB 3.1 to the phones next year and there'll be black titanium to the apple watch 2 same chip uh, apple watch ultra 2 same chip so oh yeah if you want to show you have the newest one then you got to get the uh, ultra 3 mm -hmm. yeah um okay sorry so what if i were to get something it would be the 15 pro and i actually mm -hmm. have pre-ordered the 15 pro um you know I'm someone who uses my iPhone as a main camera for the YouTube channel that I run. If you didn't know we have a YouTube channel, you can check the links in the description. Um, but I'm someone who uses my iPhone for the main camera. The 15 is a very compelling device, as I said. It's very close to getting the 15. But when the small features that it's missing, mainly being stuff around like night photography and night videography, that was enough of a reason for me to get the pro phone over just the regular phone. Now, you know, I don't have a telephoto lens on my 13. So mm -hmm. I, I could say I'm not really missing out. There have been some times where I've tried to get close up to objects and it's just, it's lacking that extra little bit of focus. So it'll be a, a welcome addition, but that's not the main reason. It's more so around, okay, if I'm doing stuff, at nighttime, whether it's photography or videography, I would like the extra capabilities that that phone offers. And the fact that, as I said, main camera for YouTube, so the added transfer speeds also of the USB 3 is something that I would definitely benefit from, that I definitely appreciate having. And, you know, I'm not at the point yet where I'm be recording to, straight to an external drive, but that's also something where it's kind of future-proofing me for that too. Yeah. So most compelling product to me personally to 15 pro i'd say most people if anything should get the 15 um but yeah for myself personally the 15 pro and as i mentioned the next generation portrait mode that's very cool it's on the 15 also but yeah it's some it's definitely a reason there's enough stuff coming from a 13 to a 15 that i see it as a valuable upgrade you know, from the 13th to the 14th, not that much was different. Actually, not really anything was different. So going from the 13 to the 15 Pro is going to be a very substantial upgrade. And this is going to be my first, you know, quote unquote, pro phone. This is going to be my first device with a screen that's better than 60 hertz. So ah, good point. I'm sure Promotion. that's also, yeah, that's going to be a very welcome change to, you know, Wi-Fi 6E. I mean, hey, yeah, great. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the 15 Pro, um, and I got it in, like I mentioned, the natural titanium. Oh, nice! That's the best color, yeah. I think. It looks so, very, very cool. It looks cool. I was thinking of going with the black titanium, possibly the blue titanium, but I think natural titanium is the way to go. Very clean, very nice, uh, very unique. Um, yeah, I was actually, I, I had ordered the Pro Max. Oh, I fell for Apple's marketing fault. around the, the, yeah, I fell for the marketing around the 5X optical zoom, 120 millimeter equivalent. And then I took like, tw I'm not even 24 hours. It took like 12 hours. I was like, wait, what am I doing? I don't, <laughs> I don't need that phone. I'm never going to use it. And especially recording videos, like I'm never going to need that 5X optical Tetra prism zoom. So I canceled that and then went with the 15 Pro. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a smart choice. I like the color choice. Um, I, I guess my final question to that is, do you ever foresee, you know, when you're done with this current Apple Watch that you will get the Ultra to go along with it? Possibly. There are rumors that next year is, well, not rumors. Next year is a 10th year anniversary of the Apple Watch. Mm. So there's rumors that for the 10th year, there's going to be a big redesign to the Apple Watch. Just like, you know, when there was the iPhone 10, there was a big redesign. So yeah. I see myself next year probably getting a new Apple Watch. I've had this one, I want to say, for four years, at least four years. Um, and battery life isn't the greatest. Like, it lasts for a day, but doesn't last more than a day. So let's say if I wanted to use it for sleep tracking, I actually have a Fitbit that I use for sleep tracking. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, just just for sleep tracking purposes. And then I could get into the whole, the way that Fitbit tracks sleep and the information they give you, I like better than what Apple does. But mm. either way, I can't, I need to charge my Apple Watch at nighttime. At some point, yes. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. So I definitely see myself getting a new Apple Watch next year. As I said, I'm in the ecosystem. I'm not getting a Galaxy Watch. Mm. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Is that going to be the Apple Watch Series 10? Is that going to be the Ultra 3, maybe? I don't see myself needing the Ultra 3, but also Apple is great at marketing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm susceptible to marketing. So <laughs> who knows? We'll, you know, we'll touch back on this a year from now. Maybe we'll play this as a replay saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get the Ultra. And then, yeah. But it would be cool to have the, the phone match the watch and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On to our final topic of the day. Ahsoka, episode five. Now, spoiler alert, I guess, right at the top. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you first. What are your thoughts on the episode and the series so far? Well, we, we didn't do a podcast for episode four. Um, and I'll say episode four was the first episode of the show so far where I finished and I'm like, I want to watch that again. And I watched wow. it again, like maybe a couple of days later. This was the first episode where I finished watching episode five was the first episode where I finished watching. And right after I finished watching, I'm like, I want to watch that again. Uh, I had so much fun with this with episode five. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought it was the best episode of the show so far. Um, and also it was directed by Dave Filoni. So a lot of my yep. complaints, a lot of your yeah. negative criticism of Dave Filoni out the window, but out the window, he did a, he did a, an awesome job with the, the fight choreography. Uh, I thought the flashbacks were just incredibly cool. Seeing this much of, spoiler alert seeing this much of Hayden Christensen felt really great another thing I'll bring up right after watching episode four is not only did I want to watch the episode again but I went and watched uh Phantom Menace which is my go-to oh. anytime I'm in the mood for Star Wars I watch Phantom Menace even though it's not my favorite really? it's just yeah it's the one I've seen the most um and I love that movie so much and you know this episode is just it's so great because I watched that before watching this episode. So seeing young Anakin um, and seeing, you know, older Anakin still showing training as like a force ghost kind of situation. It's something I've always wanted out of Star Wars, you know, after Return of the Jedi, uh, especially the the recut when they put Hayden Christensen as a force ghost around Luke. I always wanted to see, you know, a young Jedi go into a temple and see like an Anakin Skywalker and learn from him or see an uh, uh, Qui-Gon and learn from him. It's something that I thought we might've seen with Ray, maybe in, on like the Sith level. Um, that mm -hmm. was, you know, something that did happen with the original uh, Jason Solo kind of stuff. So it's, there's so much stuff that happened in this episode that I thought was really interesting. The flashbacks I thought were great. I thought that was the best parts of the episode I don't know. All I could say about this episode is that it was a lot of fun. And before the podcast, I asked you if you're enjoying this show more than Andor, which is probably the most highest rated Star Wars show ever made. Maybe. I don't know. Like I, all I hear from people about that show is how great it was. And it fell off for me. 
Um, I'm personally loving the show way more than Andor because of how fun it is. And I noticed something very particular in this episode of one small criticism I'll give to it is I found what Anakin was kind of trying to teach Ahsoka a little bit esoteric. I couldn't really figure out what she was learning from him. And maybe Mm -hmm. I would love to get your impression of that because you're more familiar with um, their dynamic with Clone Wars and stuff like that. But one thing I did notice is right after that event, one, Ahsoka started wearing lighter clothes, like her entire wardrobe kind of switched to more light side kind of stuff. But her also her personality really changed after that. You see a lot more of young Ahsoka in that character of like the more upbeat kind of you know, jokey a little bit, like not the very stoic kind of serious that she was at the beginning of the show. And I thought that that was really cool because that was the exact opposite of what we saw in Andor. Andor, the further it got on, the more serious and the more dark it got. (laughs) This show is doing the exact opposite where we're seeing Ahsoka kind of get a little bit more lively and a little bit more fun. And yeah, I I had a ton of fun with this show. I thought it was a great episode. But yeah, uh, what was your opinion on it? And uh, how do you feel about Ahsoka changing over time? Um, Yeah, I would say, as I said before, I like this more than Andor. Mm-hmm. But Andor was great. I loved Andor. And, you know, coming into this, I'm a, I love the Clone Wars. The sea, uh, Yeah, I love the animated Clone Wars done by Dave Filoni. I love Star Wars Rebels. So this show was very much like for me. Ahsoka's one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character in Star Wars. So the fact that there's like a live action Ahsoka and we're getting all these these characters and stories that I'm familiar with, amazing. Once again, spoiler, if you haven't watched episode five, what are you still doing listening to this? But there are a lot of flashbacks. One to, yes, she's with Hayden Christensen as Anakin, but there's flashbacks to the Clone Wars where we have a live action depiction of the Clone Wars, which is something I didn't really think I would see, didn't expect to see. But when it happened, I was like, this this is amazing. And we have a young Ahsoka, which is also amazing. And just a little, uh, oh, it's like a little fun fact. The girl who plays young Ahsoka is the same one who plays young Gamora in Avengers Endgame. Oh. Or Infinity War? Infinity War. Infinity War. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, for nerds, cool, like, cool little Easter egg. She's playing a younger version of some of these, like, favorite characters in, in series and TV shows and movies. But, yeah, the fact that there was a flashback to Clone Wars battles and we see Anakin and Ahsoka together, I thought, very cool to see. Very cool fight scenes to see also. Yeah, I just, I liked a lot about this episode i've been loving a lot about this series and you know speaking on ahsoka kind of growing and changing that's one thing that we've seen throughout this series right is that she is the master at least in terms of her and sabine wren she's the master sabine's the apprentice but even throughout this series like we we see her growing and learning new things like even you know in the battle on their way to the planet, like her and Sabine are butt in heads. Like, oh, it's like one wants to do things one way, one wants to do things the other way. And it's only once they come together and they're like, all right, you tell me what you need from what you need from me. I'm going to tell you what I need from you. We're going to work together. We're going to compromise. And that's how they ended up being successful in their battle. Yeah. And then even in this fight with Anakin, yeah, it's hard to tell exactly what he was trying to teach her and maybe i'll need to rewatch it a few times to really to really you know figure out i guess what it was but it seems like the lesson she learned was she doesn't need to try and like fight things so much she needs to be more accepting of the force i guess mm-hmm. needs to be as you said maybe a little bit more light-hearted because it seemed like she was trying to force her way through things as opposed to just letting things, you know, letting the force and letting things come to her. And after she has her battle, and, you know, as she said, she's wearing lighter clothing and lighter garbs. She's not wearing, you know, almost the dark Sith robes. But then she has this communication with the Purgle, right? The space whales, the hyperspace whales. And then they fly their ship into this, the, the mouth of this 
hyperspace whale. So it's okay. We're being very open to what the force, to what nature has given us. And then we're going to allow these whales to take us wherever, you know, even what Ho Yang says, you know, where are these whales going to take us? And she's like, I don't know. Hope it's, it's somewhere that we want to go, <laughs> yeah. which is very like, you know, very go with the flow. Obviously you don't have very no idea where this very Qui-Gon. Yeah. So she definitely has grown as the series has progressed and it's something, yeah, it's, it's cool to see. It's nice to see that the character is developing. She's not just, you know, this omnipotent being. She's still learning and still growing, you know, growing with Sabine and then also learning from Anakin, which, once again, amazing to see Hayden Christensen again. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm loving the series. Great episode so far. And definitely looking forward to next week, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you of like each after each episode, I'm I'm very excited for the next which is something i think disney plus has struggled doing with me um a lot of times i'm usually dissatisfied with the episode that i just watched and i'm like oh this was too short or this didn't really end in the right place i don't understand what's going on here i think every single episode of this show so far has handed in a great place and has been really satisfying and i haven't really cared about this is actually an episode where i didn't even look at what the length was um mm -hmm. And I still had a great time all the way throughout. And going back to like what she might have learned from Anakin in that whole sequence, the only thing I can really think of or what I was thinking of at the time was maybe the reason why she was so rigid was afraid of what Anakin became and kind of being a little bit more conservative of like, oh, I, I'm afraid that, you know, something might lead to the dark side. You know, if I mm -hmm. train Sabine the wrong way or if something happens where I let myself lose control, potentially can go to the dark side. But I think what's so great about this episode is after Return of the Jedi, even before after Return of the Jedi, during Return of the Jedi, Vader and Anakin go back to the light side and destroy the Emperor, right? That was like the whole redemption arc. And we really haven't seen anything pay off from that since. And I'm glad that we kind of got to see, no, Anakin really did come to the light side. Even as a Force ghost, he's you know still alive in the Force and can still do a lot of teaching to even these older, uh, well-established Jedi-like characters, which is is really, really cool. And I hope we see more of that from Star Wars going forward. Yeah. So I did make a prediction video before this episode. It, I mean, I would say I'm, for the most part, like still, uh, still alive with my predictions. <laughs> I think I said, uh, you know, one thing was we weren't going to see Thrawn yet. We didn't haven't seen Thrawn yet. Um, I said that Zebarilius is going to make an appearance before the end of the season. So hey, still got three more episodes, Zeb, to to make me look like I'm smart. Uh, but then one thing I said, I think my bold prediction, I said Ahsoka was going to change something in the Force, in or change something in time because there like time travel is something that's possible, and she did go back to the past, but you know didn't change anything. Um, and I kind of hoped to see Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan Jarrus, which we didn't see. So I'd say two out of three predictions are still possible. My prediction for this ne next episode, I think we're still not going to see Thrawn. I think because this episode completely focused on Ahsoka and her being in, you know, the world between worlds and then Hera and, you know, the crew looking for her. I think now this next episode is going to focus on, okay, Sabine and Morgan and them traveling through hyperspace. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is actually going to deal with, you know, Sabine coming to terms with, okay, she she's not on the dark side, right? But she yeah. gave the map to the dark je Jedi. She gave the map to Morgan. So her coming to terms with, like, I want to see my friend Ezra, but I've also helped them in a way bring back Thrawn. So I think I, you know, I don't think we're going to see Ahsoka in this episode at all, really. If we're talking about balance between one episode, all Ahsoka, this next episode, if we're balancing things, should be no Ahsoka, even though the series is called Ahsoka. So that'd be kind of weird if there wasn't any Ahsoka. But I think this is going to be all around Sabine Wren, you know, and Morgan and Balon Skull. But I still don't think we're going to see Thrawn. I don't want this to, to, you know, disrupt your, your great 
prediction record so far. But I have a couple of questions of what you think might happen. One, do you think Ahsoka and Sabine have a, a situation where they get back together and she actually trains her properly, allows them to kind of defeat, you know, Balin and, and his apprentice? Um, but more importantly, do you think they stop Thrawn or does Thrawn come back? I think Thrawn comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't know. I th- yeah, it's different. It's it's difficult to say. I really don't know. And I kind of I I think it's either he's gonna come back at the very end, or right at the very end they're gonna do something to stop him from coming back in like the final episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what's gonna happen. But I kind of I kind of wanna. Yeah, I kind of want to leave it up to to the show. Yeah. I don't want to predict too much into it. Like, I, okay, yeah, obviously I'm making predictions. But I feel like these are smaller, inconsequential things. Like, oh, it'd be cool to see this. It'd be cool to see that. So I don't want to think too much about whether or not they, uh, Thrawn comes back or not. But if I had to guess, I would assume that he does. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'm with you. I have no idea. Um, and I think that's kind of really cool of being able to have like a star Wars world where you don't know what's going to happen. And there's a lot of speculation. I feel like there was a lot of that in the force awakens where we were kind of like, Oh, who's Snoke and like, who's pulling the strings and all that stuff. And like all these really cool mysteries that we just wanted the answers to that we never got. Um, mm-hmm. And like the, the Knights of Ren and all like this really cool stuff. I think you could do a lot here. Uh, with that as well because we have no idea what's going to happen does Thrawn come back does does he do they maybe like end up seeing maybe it's not just one Star Destroyer but maybe it's a fleet of Star Destroyers that ended up getting stranded Mm. there who knows but it's like one of those things of you don't know who's going to win you don't know who's going to lose you don't know what's going to happen and that's what makes this show I think even more fun than um, a lot of other stuff especially because we already know what happens after this like we know the story after this so it's it the fact that it's still an unknown even though we know what happens is really fun yeah i think that's a cool thing about all of this right about all the stuff that's happening in star wars now it's like technically we know how the story ends yeah and they're really just filling filling in stuff in the middle but they're new stories that we haven't seen before for the most part haven't seen before yeah so I, i definitely appreciate like these new stories with old characters or yeah, if that makes sense. So I guess my, my, I guess final, final question would be clearly Hayden Christensen and um, Ewan McGregor are interested in still doing star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Do we get to see more of them? Do they show up and maybe uh, raise movies? Do we get to see more of characters that, you know, are ingrained in star Wars, uh, Overall, we get to see more Luke. Maybe Luke's now with the Force and we get to see him as a Force ghost. Do do we see a lot of these older characters going forward? Or do you think maybe this was just for this project? They really liked what the story that um, Dave Filoni was trying to tell here and they joined up for that. But other than that, maybe we don't see them much anymore. I think we see them. But I think it's just going to be Force ghosts, like Mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. Maybe maybe we get like a couple flashbacks. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think we get, like, full-on stories with them. I think, if anything, it's flashbacks like we got for this Ahsoka episode and maybe even just, like, a force ghost floating around. But, yeah, I do think we see them at some point. Yeah, that would be cool. Either way, I think what this show has done has been really fun. And, like you, I can't wait for the next episode. Nice. Uh, Any closing statements for today or... Uh, I just want to give you uh, uh, your props for being seemingly being right about um, the Switch 2. I think in the past you mentioned you would be fine with it being a more expensive device and more powerful device. Well, at Gamescom, apparently uh, Nintendo was showing off the new Switch. And really? what has, to developers actually, and behind closed doors, and what has been talked about is that not only is it very powerful, potentially very powerful, but they talked about it being able to run the Matrix Awakens demo, which I don't know if anyone remembers out there. That was the Unreal Engine 5 demo that was designed for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. 
uh, and apparently that's running on a Switch successor, as well as an upgraded version of Zelda Breath of the Wild running at a much higher resolution. So, yeah, it looks like potentially the Switch 2 is going to be a more expensive, more powerful device, which is what you, I think you asked for and what you predicted uh, might be the case. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to that. Oh, nice. Well, take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next episode.